I believe that God is uh, doing things that we haven't even begun to maybe even catch a glimpse of. But uh, I believe today as we finish this teaching on the anointing, everybody say the anointing. Uh, when we recognize what God has released into the earth through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. That's what his name Messiah meant. The anointed one. The one God chose to place his anointing upon. The one God chose to die for our sins. The one God chose to be risen again, seated at the right hand of the Father. And when he left, the Holy Spirit, everybody say the Holy Spirit, was left in the earth in the person of the Holy Spirit within the believer, anyone who receives Christ. And with that anointing, everybody say with that anointing, we are more than conquerors. Amen. Turn to your neighbor saying that's good news. And I believe that uh, God is going to become more and more exciting to the church. You know, um, God can only be excited as exciting to you as you allow him to be. I have learned that in my life. He can only be as awesome as you allow him to be in your life. And for God to be awesome means that you have to be in a position where everything is impossible to you. Don't shout me down. Y'all are thinking, I don't want to go there. But if you go there... If you go there, you will get to see an awesome God. If, if we're people who have to always be in control, always have to have answers, always have to have knowledge, always have to have understanding, and only can operate within our framework of what we know and how to do it, we are not going to see the awesomeness of God. We are not going to see the anointing released because God's anointing is for the impossible. God's anointing is for the ability to do something that we cannot do in our own strength. And so I encourage all of you, if you did not hear last week's message, to get it. I'm not going to go back over everything today, but last week was the anointing to do good. Everybody say to do good. And this was our, our text scripture. Let's look at Acts 10:38. Today we're going to be talking about the anointing to conquer fear. Everybody say conquer fear. And you may be here today and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing's really fearful in my life. Well, after being in Washington, D.C. with the folks I was with, with this week, you better get ready because we are going to be faced with fear. We're going to be faced with the reality of fear. We are living in days where any, in, any minute, any instant, everything could change in the United States of America. Right now, our enemies, if they hit the seven major cities of this United States with anything, everything would go down. And we will be affected. And fear will be rampant in the last days. We're going to look at that today. So this message isn't, I'm afraid to ride a roller coaster. However, I don't ride roller coasters. John can ride them till Jesus comes. I'll find my answer somewhere else. But wherever you find your answer, you better f overcome fear. And fear is a real force. Fear is a true emotion. And we're going to look at this today because I think the church could be deceived in this last hour if we don't understand what's happening. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. All sickness, all disease, all the things that come against us that are evil are from the pit of hell. And so this scripture, when it says healing, all healing, all who were oppressed of the devil, that includes everybody he ever healed, whether it's a headache or it's a disease or whatever it is, uh, a poverty on people's life, whatever people need healing from, it's because they're oppressed. Everybody say oppressed, oppressed by the devil. I didn't say they're possessed. 
I said they're oppressed. It's the devil's job. He does it very well. And if the greater one is not greater in you, in your everyday life, in the things that you know, in the things that you see, he will oppress you. He will find a place where you have a weakness, where you have a fear. Everybody say a fear. And he will come with a vengeance. And so um, I praise God what, what uh, Pastor John said this morning. Whatever it is that in your life causes you to be a conqueror of fear, whatever is before you that looks like fear, today God will give you an answer through the word of God of how to answer fear, I believe. But whatever that is, you need to press against it and overcome it. You cannot yield to it. You cannot run from it. You cannot hide from it because it will mean destruction. Everybody say destruction. And every little inch the enemy gets, believe me, that will not be where he stops. Where he intimidates you and wins, he will bring more intimidation. Where he gets a place, he will get a bigger place. And that's why Jesus said in John 14, the enemy is coming for me, but he will find no place in me and the anointing that God has given us causes us to live at that kind of level of life. Amen. In Acts 1 8, we were told by Jesus that when the Holy Spirit would come upon us, we would receive the Holy Spirit and we would receive power to become witnesses. Everybody say to become witnesses. And so this anointing that God has entrusted to the church is for the purpose of God being glorified in the earth. Not us, but God. And we talked about that last week. And But it's it's for us. Everybody say, it's for me. The anointing is working for you if you allow the anointing to work in your life. Uh, where, where it says in John three sixteen, you know, for years I knew the scripture, you know, because I've been saved for a long time. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But verse 17, I never really got to in 18 and 19. You know, I just kind of stopped there. But verse 17 says, and he did not send, or did not send his son into the world to, to what? Condemn. To what? Condemn. Condemn the world, but that the world through him might be, Save. might be what? Save. So that means if the world does not have Christ, they are lost. Then it goes on and it talks about how men didn't want to receive Christ because they loved the darkness more than they loved the light. That was the whole premise of why they wouldn't receive him. They loved darkness more than light. What that meant was they loved living like the world would live and living through self more than they wanted to be ruled by a creator that lived on the inside of them. And for that reason, people don't receive Christ. And in the world we're living in today, we see that probably more blatantly in this generation in the United States than we've ever seen it before. People want to live for themselves. And so they want to change every law to make it so they can live for themselves. They want darkness. Everybody say they want darkness more than they want light. But I have read through history and I've seen in the word of God, God has a way of of allowing situations and circumstances to get to the place where people are crying for the light. They are crying for the light. And I believe we're coming into a place, not that we haven't already been there, but where it's much more intense. Isaiah 60, arise, shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. There will be gross darkness, but you will be light. Turn to your neighbor, say, you are a light. And that's where we concluded last week, that we are a light to the world. And we have been lit up, so to speak, or brought forth for such a time as this, so that the world can see that there's hope. And I say that to you today. You may be sitting here. See, the believers, uh, the rain is on the just and the unjust. Uh, Situations and circumstances happen to everybody, not just the 
uh, unbeliever, but on the believer as well. The difference between us and the unbeliever is that we succeed through them. Did you hear that? Did you get that? We succeed through them. I mean, God will give us another way if that way isn't working. But we have to know what God is saying and allow that anointing of God to take us through that place. If we continue to try to do things the way we're doing them now, we will not succeed in what God's getting ready to do. We have to change with what God is doing. And the anointing will bring us into that place. So today as we look at this, it says in Romans 12, 21, and this is probably a scripture that's really hard for us as Christians sometimes. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with, with what? See, a lot of times when we get in a battle, and we are definitely in a battle for our nation, for families, for uh, our businesses, you know, there's battles everywhere, but we overcome evil with, we do not overcome evil by being like evil. We do not overcome evil by acting like evil because that is not the anointing. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good. And the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to Repentance And repentance is what God wants to happen in the earth. Because when people repent, it means they turn, they change, and they attach themselves to a living God. And then things can change in their lives. And in my life, I know it wasn't as quick as I'd like it to be. How many of you know things don't change sometimes as quickly? But it took me a long time to make the mess. And sometimes walking out of that is where God strengthens me, walking out, not running out, not getting out, escaping out, but walking out all those places is where I gain strength and confidence in the God I serve that he could get me out. Then when I get out, my faith is built up. Amen. And those are not the easiest places, but God's power is there. The anointing is there. In Isaiah 8, 13, there's good fear and bad fear. And my husband, now my husband hates fear. He hates fear. He made me ride a bicycle over a bridge once that my bicycle was higher than the edge of the bridge and the wind was blowing 100 miles an hour. Some of you might remember me telling that years ago. And I thought for sure I was going to land in the bay and he didn't even care. He said to me, I'm going across the bridge. You can either come or sit here. And he left me and he went across the bridge. And so I, I, you know, I whined and cried a little and I got over the other side of the bridge, but I'm not going to do it again. Hallelujah. But uh, I'll find another way to get rid of my fear. <laughs> but, but he just hates fear. Everybody say, hate fear. And, and you know, fear, um, we cannot be ignorant of the fact that fear is a real feeling. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Everybody say, spirit of fear. Power, love, and a sound mind. However, fear is a real emotion. And it will come, and it is a good thing. There are things that we need to, we do not want to go out in traffic and expect that God will protect us when cars are every, you know, there's healthy fear. It's a reverence. Everybody say reverence. And it says in Isaiah 13, the Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. Let him be your, let him be your, let him be your. Let him be your dread. Let him be your fear. In other words, if you put reverence for God ahead of everything else, the fear of the spirit of fear, the the fear of torment, the fear that comes to kill, steal, and destroy, that fear will never have a chance against your life. And you'll know immediately, uh uh-oh, 
I have gone into the flesh. Everybody say into the flesh. There is no victory over the spirit of fear in the flesh. And fear comes sometimes as a good thing. Reverencing God, being fearful of God, awestruck with God's greatness is a very good kind of fear. We're to operate in that kind of fear. It says in Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, when we really put God in his place, make him the awesome God that he is, then that's the beginning of understanding and knowledge. That's the beginning of walking in a place of victory. But then it says in uh, Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man, everybody say the fear of man, brings a snare. Everybody say snare. Now, this one I had to learn because this one was my greatest fear. You know, they ultimately, you know, everyone says that the ultimate fear is the fear of death. And, and I agree with that. But when I get fearful of something, I'm not always thinking I'm going to die. It, it, you know, fearful of speaking in front of people, fearful of, of doing something that, that God has told me to do. This stops the anointing. Everybody say, stops the anointing. See, to, to go by that emotion of fear when God speaks to us, to get in a place where the power of God can operate is where we step out of that emotion of fear and step into faith. And fear is the opposite of faith. It is the, the one that every time you start to operate in faith, I guarantee you, there will be something to bring fear against immediately fear against your life and so i believe in the world that we're facing because it says this in luke 21 26 we are in the last days we are i don't know where we're at in the last days i have people say well what do you think what do you think about this what do you think about this i don't even think about it a lot of those things i don't think about because god has positioned me to be thinking about what i'm supposed to be doing today and he told me my scripture is be found doing what i told you to do when i come when he comes, I will not have to figure out how I'm getting out of here. I, you know, I don't know if I'm going up on a cloud. I, I don't know, you know, I don't, I'm not a big, I don't love to jump off of buildings or anything. I'm not a heights person, so to speak. But on that one, I'll be fine. Hallelujah. I love to fly. I don't know if we're going to get wings and go, I don't know how we're going to get raptured. And I don't sit around thinking about how or when. I just think about this. What did God tell me to do today? And if he came, would I be doing it? And fear will stop you from living life. It will put you in a chair hoping for the rapture. I mean, I know Christians. I've talked to Christians who say, I just am waiting for the rapture. It couldn't happen soon enough for me. Well, big deal for you. There's thousands of people still not saved. You know why you're sitting there waiting? Because you are not doing whatever. God... Now, never mind. I won't say that. Hallelujah. If you're doing what God told you to do, you don't have time to think about when he's coming. If the trumpet sounds, he said, I'm out of here, just like that. So I don't have to think about that. Just like John. I was thinking about that, John, on that roller coaster when you were telling me about it. I thought, well, why worry? If that thing goes kaplooey, you don't even have time to think about what's happening to you. Hello, Jesus. That's, that's the end of that story, you know. And, and so you got there at 120 mile an hour. <laughs> it's faster than most of us. I don't know about the rapture. It might be faster than that. But, you know, it may be a great thrill on the way you went out. Hallelujah, I guess. If that's a thrill. I, Pete, I admire you. Pete was telling us. Pete Dywert. He didn't, he had never ridden, I mean, not even a, a roller coaster. He hadn't even been to Indiana Beach. He, Oh, that's all. Indiana Beach, yeah. But he had never been to Kings Island. I mean, never ridden any kind of roller coaster. They took him. If I'd have been there, I'd have never let that happen to poor Pete. But see, that's just the mother in me. I would say, you can't ride that. You got to start with something smaller. But, you know, 
uh, he, he and Elizabeth talked each other all the way onto it, I guess, because they both, that was a little, you know, it, 21 seconds. 21 seconds to go forward, up 400, 420 feet, and down 400. I mean, that's just like a breath. You know, my mother was having trouble. She had to get a pacemaker. Her heart would stop for 15 seconds. I thought I, I would be gone. I mean, you could all say goodbye to me right there because I'm sure at my age, your heart would stop. I mean, you'd have to be resuscitated on the other end of that thing. But, that, but, but it doesn't, when that happens, you don't have to be sitting around all day thinking about that. When those things happen, they happen. And see, the enemy likes us to be concerned about every little thing that's happening. Why is that? To keep us out of faith and to keep us out of the will and plan of God and keep us from moving out where we are no longer in control. And believe me, we are all a people who love to be in control. Turn to your neighbor and say, probably not you, but you know different, okay? It says, men's hearts will fail them. Everybody say, men's hearts. Failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. This is one of the descriptions of the last days. I believe we're there. When I was sitting in Washington, D.C. listening, and I, I'm not going to share it tonight on Wednesday night. Uh, Pastor Bill, we're going to be praying here on Wednesday night. I encourage all of you to be here. We will be praying for our nation. We'll be praying for our building. We are going to have a night of prayer, and we are going to stand fast against things. Maybe you have things that we need to agree and stand fast on. This is going to be a night of prayer. But also for Israel, for the things that are happening, I'm telling you what is going on in the world. I attended two workshops, one on terrorism and one on Iran. And I'm telling you, we need to be praying things are a lot different than what we're reading in the newspapers. And these people I were listening to were not people who are pastors of churches. These were people who are in Washington, D.C., who are in the meetings, who go back and forth to Israel. The the ambassador from uh, Israel was there. I mean, these were people in the know. And if you do not know God, your heart would fail you. When they start showing you all these terrorists and they say, this is where it is right now in the United States. Everybody say in the United States. See, we think it's over there. It's not over there. Evil is here. It is here. It is among us. We have to know the Holy Spirit. We have to know the anointing of God to even live our lives in the day we're living in. To know where we're to go and where we're not to go. When we're to go and when we're not to go. We have to be now at this level of what's going on in our nation. We have to know. So this scripture became very real to me because I was sitting there thinking, if a lot of people I knew were sitting here, they would be nothing but scared when they left. It would sound like a horror movie or something to be very fearful of. God wants us to have a power that goes way beyond what this enemy has thought of or could ever come up with because Jesus has defeated him. But he is never defeated unless the person who's standing against him knows he's defeated. Otherwise, we fall into it. I want you to look at Second uh, Chronicles. And this is, you know, a, a scripture where you are all familiar. You know, if you've known the Lord for very long, you've probably heard this somewhere. But it's about Jehoshaphat and how God uh, caused him to win a victory, not anything of his own doing other than he was obedient to the part God asked him to play. The anointing. Everybody say the anointing. The anointing of God destroyed his enemies. And when I begin to read this, it's in my Bible reading right now, but uh, it really just, I felt it was the example to use today. It says, it happened after this that the people of Moab from the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, this is 2 Chronicles 20, if you have your Bible, came to the battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you. 
a great multitude. Now you say today, well, you know, this is, this is about a big battle. If you've lost your job, there is a great multitude, com multitude coming against you. There is. There's a multitude of bills, if nothing else, in your mailbox. Hallelujah. No money to pay them. Now, you have to put this and make it relevant to where you are, or the Word of God is just a bunch of Bible stories that somebody listens to that never apply to, to our everyday life. This is where a lot of people are living today. A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazan, Tamar, which is in Engedi. And Joseph, Jehoshaphat feared. Everybody say feared. feared. Everybody say he feared. Now, this is anointed man of God. This is a man who God chose as a leader. This is a man who has seen God operate before, but he feared. Fear is a real thing. It comes with a negative report. We pray right now. Stretch your hands out toward Pam Evie. We pray for her dad. He got a really negative report this week. Her brother's got a negative report. I mean, it looks like a multitude of, of things have come against her. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bind the devil and we thank you that in the midst of this multitude of enemies, there is a power greater that lives in Pam that will overcome and get the victory and no weapon formed against her or her family will prosper. And I say that over you today. You may be here and it looks like a multitude. How many of you feel like you have a multitude coming against you right now? I see your hand, Taryn, over here. Kim, raise your hands up high so we can see them. Yeah, a multitude. Lift them up real high. Now, some Somebody put your hands on them. I know it's the middle of the message. It's okay. We can do this. Put your hands on them. In the name of Jesus, we agree right now that this multitude of enemies and this fear that has come against them, it is a real feeling, but it will not win because God has an answer. God has a way. God has a, a, a thought about this. He knows he will come and he will bring deliverance and he will raise you up and he will help you in the name of Jesus. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let's, let's look at what Jehoshaphat did. He says, and it set him and he set himself, he feared and he set himself. Everybody say set himself. Now this means he didn't feel like it. You know, it doesn't say, and he felt like he maybe ought to pray. When fear comes, you will never feel like setting yourself in a position to hear from God. Our immediate response is, what are we going to do? It says, he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He didn't just see it would affect him. He had everybody go on a fast. And it goes on and it says, all Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. When fear comes, two things, this says, pray and fast. Why fast? Because it just puts you in a position where God knows that you really want to hear from him. And you are seeking him and you are looking him. This is not about not eating food. You know, you can fast whatever God tells you to fast. It's about making a decision that until you hear this, you are not satisfied. You will not know what to do. You are in a position where you have to hear. And so that's what he did. And all Judah with him, they came to seek the Lord. It says he stood in the assembly and said in verse six, oh, Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, are we in that place today? 
Many people are in that place today. And it could happen to anybody by tomorrow. We will stand before this temple and in your presence. For your name is in this temple. And cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear us. That's what Solomon had said in Second Chronicles verse chapter 6 and 7. God, when your people need you and they pray and they call out to you, answer them. That was Solomon's cry for the people. God has said to us, if you pray, if you seek me, if you look to me with all your heart, I will be found of you. I will answer. He is a God who is alive and he's real. He goes on and he says, now here are the people of Mount Seir and all these people. He tells them, these people, you told us not to invade. You told Israel not to invade. They didn't. And now look what they're doing. They're attacking us. They're rewarding us by coming after us. We could have annihilated them is what he's saying, but we didn't because you said not to. And now they're coming back to get us. How many of you have ever felt betrayed by something? How many of you ever felt like, you know, I did exactly what you said, and I, and I was the one who just, I gave in, I did all the, made the concessions, I did all that, and now look, they're coming back to get me. Well, there's hope. Everybody say, there's hope. The thing that he began to do, he began to acknowledge who God was. When I said to you today, start singing, your kingdom shall reign over all the earth. I'm not singing a song. I'm not just trying to sing a little ditty. I'm making a declaration of who he is. And when we begin to make that declaration, he comes in here and he does what you need. Now you may think, well, I'm just singing a song. Oh no, you're doing more than that. See the praises of God, the praises of who God is for who he is, bring the almighty anointing of God into this place. And while you're singing and thinking you're doing a ditty, he is moving mightily on your behalf. Amen. See, it's, it's when the church begins to do it God's way that we begin to see the miraculous. Joshua or Jehoshaphat did that. And it goes on down here. And he finally says in verse 12, oh, God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude. He recognized he could not win this battle. How many of you have battles you can't win? I mean, we face these all the time. There is nothing we can do. They're coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's where this nation is today. After hearing everything that I heard this week, it was like going to college for three days and taking a semester of work. Because they bring in these speakers, one after another, who are telling you how it is in the United States of America and why Israel is being so harassed. It's, it's, it's a plot of the enemy. It is spiritual from head to toe. It is devil versus God, head to toe. Now, what is, what is going to happen? God is going to overcome. If his people, who are called by his name, humble themselves, pray, seek his face, determine that this is our opportunity for God to be so mighty in the earth that this is how the revival in the earth is going to come. That last day group of people who come from north, south, east, and west, they're coming because God is going to be so awesome that they will have no other recourse. And everybody say, thank God. He certainly doesn't have to do it. He could lift his hand off the whole thing and everybody who did not know God would be in hell. They did not receive Jesus. They would all be in hell. But he is merciful. He is merciful to the nth degree. He will fight for his people. But he uses people to fight for his people in prayer, in fasting, in standing against these things. And then it goes on. It says, the spirit of the Lord came. And the spirit of the Lord spoke to them. And it said, listen, all Judah, verse 15, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord, do not be 
What's the first thing he addresses? What does he address? He addresses fear because it says the very first thing that happened to Jehoshaphat was he was fearful. You know, some of you are getting ready for a year like you would not believe. I would just like to say to all you that are in education, I am praying for you. Because the enemy is standing against truth in this nation. And he's trying to make everybody fearful. Everybody say fearful. And we have an opportunity that no matter how hard it gets, we are not fearful. Bless God, our God is in control. We rules, he reigns. It's going to be the best year that we have ever had. In Jesus' name, we have no opportunity for fear because our God rules and reigns. We, we have the opportunity to get fearful, but fear does not reign over us. Our God is awesome in our midst. And that's what he said. Very first thing, do not be fearful or do not be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow you go down. He tells him what to do. You will not need to fight in this battle. Verse 17. How many of you are fighters? I'm, I'm a fighter. I remember, I will never forget it when God said to me, you know, I'll tell you what you look like. You're this person in a field with a blindfold on, swinging a sword with all your might, and you're not hitting anything. You're not, you're not even touching anything. Then he said, and then he went on and said, you might as well just go sit under the tree because I will fix this. Well, I never knew anybody could fix things. For, I thought I had to fix them. I'm alone with three kids. I don't have any money. And nobody's there to rescue me. I'm put in a place where there's no family, no anybody. And I'm thinking, I need to do something. And God said, no, you just go sit under the tree and I'll take care of this. While you learn about me. He said, it's like me and you trying to tie the same pair of shoes at the same time. Nobody, nothing gets done. Just get out of the way. See, that's very hard for us to understand. Get out of the way. It'll look like I'm not doing anything. Oh, no. I had things to do. I sat every night at my keyboard and praised God with my children yelling, stop playing that music. But they didn't know that it was their, it was their safety. It was their security. Praising God was covering our house with the anointing. Everybody say the anointing. In the word. Those things. See, we, don't, we, we need to be wise right here. We need to know what to do. Jehoshaphat did exactly as he said. Stand still. Position yourselves. Everybody say position yourselves. There's a part we play, but you need to know your position. In the end, the positioning of people was to put them in a place of praise. That was the, that was the end of the story. The praisers were sent out to win a battle against a multitude of enemies. Doesn't sound like the answer to fear, does it? Doesn't sound like it to me either. But I'm telling you, that halal, that, that praise. In, in my um, concordance, halal is the root of hallelujah. The phrase is a command. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What it means is, you must all praise Yah. You know who Yah is? Yah is God. Yahweh, the God who is almighty. The God who is above everything. The ancient of days. Praise God. And it says to shine, to boast, to rave of God's greatness. In the end, all their enemies were defeated. And they got all the spoil. How many of you need to have finances to do all you want to do for the kingdom of God? Then you're going to have to go to battle this way. You're going to have to position yourself because you are in a battle. The battle is the Lord's, but you have to know your position. Everybody say, know your position. My husband has said this. Pastor John has said this. I've said this. It is so critical that we get past what's happening in our little world and get in position. 
Because if we don't, what's happening in our little world is going to be 10 times worse than it is today. You say, oh, don't say that. I'm telling you, reality is the world is in trouble. Our nation is bankrupt. We have leaders who do not fear God, which put them in a position of such weakness that the enemy at any time can attack us. And we cannot say it's because we don't love God. It's because our leaders, everybody say leaders, are not standing for godliness and righteousness. But the church has to pray for them. Everybody say pray for them. That they will stand in positions of godly leadership or be removed. This is critical to our nation. Uh, I, when I was preparing this, that song, A New Hallelujah, when I first heard it, I thought that is going to be the song for our church all the way into this building. We are singing a new hallelujah. It says, take the love. Everybody say the love. God so loved is also God was so good. Because it's the good God that has the power to deliver people from an evil enemy. Amen. And so whenever I heard that, I would just get this passion. I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, it's just like a military chant to me. It's like it causes me to rise up and and I you know in my natural person I'm a chicken but inside me when you get the spirit of God stirred up I'll roll over anything because I trust God I mean I trust him in those situations and um, as I sat through these meetings it was like it was just like I was awestruck I I mean I, I I was trying to fathom what God was doing you know what what do we do I mean what is happening and uh and, and what, am, what am I supposed to do? What is my position? Everybody say position. This isn't, this isn't like a game. This, isn't like, this is like uh, we, are, we are ready to take it. We are ready to take the land. We are ready to take what God has for us. And every one of you are very important to this. No matter what your position is. No matter what part you play. So in Jehoshaphat's world, in the end of this, I love it. It says, and the fear of God. Everybody say the fear of God. Was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. The fear of God. Everybody say the fear of God. And so what should be happening is the awesomeness of God working through his people because begins to cause people to have a reverential fear of God again. We have lost it in our nation. But what really I came to me was how many of you had saw uh, American Idol the night that the guy who won it, what's his name, Chris? Lee, 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 Lee Deweese. And, and the night that, that uh, Simon, who on this show, you know, I, I mean, they may all be Christians, but some of the things, I mean, you know, by the fruit and some things, you know, I'm not here to judge anybody, but it was, it, you know, I, I wouldn't see them singing hallelujah for Jesus. They did it, but that song, I believe is the song, this is my personal opinion, that won him, the idol. When they started singing that that night, and this song has horrible words to it. In fact, a Christian guy wrote, took it and wrote new words to it and called it another hallelujah. Personally, I like the one we sing, a new hallelujah. But the hallelujah, does, and it's got to do with biblical things, but they've got things so messed up. How many of you even can understand the words they sing in music today? You know, it's just a beat. You're like me when I was singing, let's get physical in that place. And uh, for those of you listening, get the tape from last week. But I was working out and, you know, they were singing, you know, you just hear things and you're just singing along. You're not really paying attention to the words. But when they sang hallelujah, 
that place lit up. Do we have the video? Would you play it? I just want you to see the world, the world singing hallelujah. Now watch the people. I mean, they're all, see the church, we don't want to lift our hands. It might be unspiritual, but you know, look at the world there. They're crying out. He had a big choir behind him. They don't even know. They don't even know who they're cheering. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know. Listen, yeah, yeah, hallelujah, they don't know. You know what halal means, hallelujah means? This is what it means, all of you must praise Yah. The world doesn't even know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing, but it stirs them so much when they hear hallelujah, one word, hallelujah. Those garbage lyrics wouldn't get anybody stirred up to anything. I mean, it wouldn't. If you told people what they were really, I'm not going to read them to you. They're not good. They took some Bible stuff. They got it so mixed up. They don't even know the word of God. You can tell by what they wrote. But they said they don't even know if there is a God. But it's a broken hallelujah. No. As soon as they start the word hallelujah, everything rose up. And Simon himself knew that if he sang that song, What's, what is it about that song? I'm telling you, when you sing hallelujah, you are calling on the God of the universe. You may not know you are, but you are. And in your ignorance, there is a stirring for man to get back to God. And they feel it. And they begin to cheer and they begin to yell. And it brings people to their feet. This is our hour. This is our time. You know, when God had me preach that message on timing, this is it. We are here. We are at the door. We can go in or we can walk away. We have a choice. It says in John 4, 17, 18, perfect love cast out all fear, the love of God. And that the anointing destroys the yoke. In Matthew 11, it talks about my yoke is easy and my burden is. You know why that is? Because the battle is not yours today. The battle is the Lord's. And the yoke that you're in is a yoke that continually gives praise to God. When your voice is giving praise to God, when you are singing a hallelujah to God in whatever or however you're doing it, you are in that place, not only praising God, but you are defeating powers and principalities in your life. Would you stand with me today? I believe God wants to defeat fear in this place. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.